Welcome back to the great <laughs> Isle Royal Diving Podcast, everybody. We're still on Isle Royal? We're still on no, Isle Royal? No, we're leaving Isle Royal, but, but. It's, a, it's the segue from last week. Okay. No, today we're diving another treasure. They're all treasures, aren't they, in their own way, James? You know, diving is a bit of a treasure, a beautiful gift that we scuba divers have. And for this, I'm going to include pretty much all the divers of the world, everybody that's ever dove, even the people that, you know, were on a cruise one time and did a little discover intro dive and, and got to see something underwater. It, it's a treasure that has, you know, maybe changed people's lives ever since that little sight there that was beholden to their eyeballs. How could it not? Unless you have a, well, well even a near death. <laughs> well, that's, that's I mean, I mean, I mean when, you, when your little intro is in Grand Cayman or Bali or... The great are the, those are the only I good guess, I guess, sites. yeah, but when it's in the local mud hole <laughs> your first time and you get separated from the instructor and nearly die, yeah, I guess Well, per, you might not consider it a treasure. You might consider it as um, just an old piece of junk, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> not quite a treasure that you found. <laughs> well, it might be perception, too. You perceived, maybe in your mind you nearly died a few times and nothing really seriously happened. You just... You done messed up. That's all. But still, that's a treasure. I mean, uh, having a near a treasure a near of death, perseverance, maybe. Well, it's a treasure. It, it puts value on. It makes you see things in a different value perspective uh, when you when you come close, or even perceive that you come close, whether you came close or not to to ending it all. You know, it's that perception that gives you the uh, idea that. Then you reevaluate. I am I am not drinking ever again, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> those things make you reevaluate, don't they? Right, right. Just this once, God. <laughs> if you let you me get me through me, this, I will never. <laughs> Welcome back to the Great Treasure Hunting Podcast, everybody. You're here with old. Pickaxe and lift bag, Jamesy, and 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 here's here's old Ed McBrando, and the old the old Forty Nineer <laughs> treasure hunting Brando, the old Forty ers me and my pals. Brando, I got a little story about treasure hunting. You know, over the years, if there's one thing that I've consistently seen, you know, in the thirty years of hanging out at the dive shop. <laughs> Clowns. There's always clowns. There's always <laughs> the treasure hunters that mm. that come through. Yeah, and they go. They they come in waves. They do. Yeah, you might go. You know, a couple of years where there you don't see very many, and then you, then you get a bunch of them that are just out looking for loot. Somebody I, somebody I get, spread a rumor. There's loot somewhere. There's a treasure down there, boys. Well, I mean. It's one of the things that first got me interested in, the, really? in the diving. The the thought that you know there was just pirate gold and treasure every time you went underwater anywhere. <laughs> what color is the sky in the world you live in? Really? <laughs> I was a child when I learned. I was I was 
you know, watching cartoons and I was a you know, child living the, living the kid yeah. life, you know, just full of, you know, daydreaming all the time. I never got to be treasure under them. there waters never figured on any treasure like that. I, I had my ideas of like, you know, I always wanted to bring up parts of shipwrecks and that kind of uh, that kind of treasure, not necessarily uh, the big money treasures. I always wanted like a bowsprit, you know, like a, a busty woman. Beautiful oh, woman, figurehead yeah, figurehead, bowsprit. That, that, that would thing. make yeah. a great bar. Not just the, well, I wasn't. I was you know, when I was a kid. I wasn't really thinking of the bar thing. Maybe I was. Maybe I was subconsciously. <laughs> subconsciously, you were. Yeah, yeah. You never know with uh, with how much of a hoodlum I am. But um, yeah, I always thought of that kind of treasure that that would be cool there, or the portholes, or stuff like that. And there's a, we get a lot of people in our area that do a bunch of treasure hunting in the rivers, looking for old bottles, bottles yeah. looking for old plates and pipes and occasionally coins. Dishes. They like dishes. dishes yeah. yeah. And I've got a couple of old bottles that I've come across over the years, but I, I've never been like a real muck around, dig around, looking what I can see, what I can find under the, that muck. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's a different breed. And and us as Great Lakes wreck divers, for the most part, we go shipwreck diving in the Great Lakes. We can't bring anything back. We're, it's it's not just illegal. It's super illegal. Right. <laughs> so, and it's not a you know courteous practice to to the rest of the divers because you take away something that they may have had a chance to see in its environment, you know, when it went down. So, yeah, we don't right. we don't have that mentality of bringing that up anymore. So it would be nice, well, though. It would be would, cool. But you and I have both have done a number of search and recovery jobs over the years. Yeah, yeah. Out, out looking for items that have been lost, you know, the specifically that right. we know about. And that is, I must say, it is a pretty rewarding feeling to find when, you do, it. when you do hand that item back to somebody. Boat motors or yeah, watches. You, you've, or, you've successfully yeah. recovered. But I have, Brando, a story for the people about learning a little bit of a lesson when you're down searching. Searching for treasure on the bottom or as some may say junk on the bottom yeah well we we have the naysayers there's the naysayers there's the though those poo-pooers who want to destroy every childhood fantasy you've ever had it looks like a piece of garbage well garbage so it one man's like garbage some, is another man it looks like somebody threw it away yeah well one man's trash is another man's treasures do you think maybe there's a chance that somebody just got rid of that big hunk <laughs> of junk because they didn't want it anymore? Maybe they didn't actually lose it as a prized treasure. Maybe they threw it overboard in, in just anger one day. You ever think of that? Maybe, but shame on them. Shame on them because, well, also, I guess it instantly adds value when you have to retrieve it from the depths. It instantly adds a, a certain value. There's, there's, there's the chance that a story might come out of it. Like, 
I gotta, I gotta make this dive. I gotta find it first of all. Wait, 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 wait! I've listen, gotta, listen. I've gotta. This is not just any old bicycle rim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this exactly. This is a bicycle rim. I brought I up from ninety-eight this is feet. Treasure <laughs> in Union Lake. Yes. <laughs> now I've got the sunglasses. I've got the baseball caps that I, I find them laying down there, especially at our local local mud hole that we train train at i bring back the, the cool baseball caps and people ask well oh, that's cool where'd you get that i go from the take a, from the take fresh i would say the briny depths but it's not from the fresh deep cold depths it's not uh it's it's a briny nest take a whiff of that thing it's a it's a marly i put it marly, to a washer i wash it dang okay but uh sunglasses Things like that you find down there all the time. You find that stupid stuff. And snorkels. I've got, you know, drawer you, you, full you of snorkels. A, you do have a snorkel collection. <laughs> it's, I'm going to get it. I'm going to uh, display it down in my basement soon. Why do, you, why do you have all those snorkels? Do you like snorkeling? I, I don't necessarily like <laughs> snorkeling. It's okay, but I have I it. I love it's my, recovering. I recover snorkels. <laughs> <laughs> You just find that stuff. It's laying around down there, and and in, uh, yeah, when you find it underwater, somehow it adds some kind of value to it. Maybe I'm 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 projecting that it's a treasure that that like oh, I could have have just as easily run across the treasure chest full of pirate gold. Arr. But I got I ran across a snorkel. But I'll take the snorkel. I'll take what I can get. I'll take a snorkel. <laughs> Baseball hat. Brando, it was just another hot, sultry July day in Georgia. As my buddy Ed and I prepared our equipment for the day's diving. We'd been diving together for five years, old Ken and Eddie. Ken and Kennedy. 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 We're going to call him, okay? That's why they... Okay, is this a true story, or are they just making up names? There's a body down there. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Seems to go with the Kennedys' bodies. But uh, uh, how, how old, what era, what circa are we talking, do you think, for this story? This is, uh, this is circa 1980s. Okay, okay. That gives me a better, now I've got you know, a clearer when, uh, picture. When divers would go treasure hunting with just their pure, scuba gear. Pure balls. Their, Newly, Pure guts. I mean, <laughs> newly purchased BCD, new to the market BCDs yes. that doubled as lift bags. Yes, they did, and they and you kind of swam in the BCD. You didn't, it didn't fit you very well. You swam. Well, it's, in it, it could get out quickly <laughs> yes. if you had to. I've got pictures of me in the '80s with those silly ass. You know, like I got a jacket BCD, and you're up on. Buddy's taking a picture of you on the surface. It's like the shoulders are up at the top of your head. You know, you right. kind of swim. How many in it. pounds of lifts that thing got? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Forty-six pounds of lift. What are you gonna do with that? <laughs> I got the new fifty-eight-pound double ballistic nylon. Denier, you forgot to throw a denier in there. We were diving Lake Sinclair, a large middle Georgia lake that is packed in the summer with water skiers, fishermen, and joyriders, but no divers. The reason for the lack of divers is that the mineral content of the water is very high, reducing the visibility to zero. 
after descending just a few feet from the surface, you find yourself in total darkness. Even the strongest dive lights are useless. So why would anyone in his right mind dive under such conditions? The reason was one of man's oldest obsessions, the lure of easy treasure, or at least what we considered treasure. Easy treasure, baby. One man's treasure is... No, one man's trash. <laughs> one man's treasure is another man's trash. I guess, right. I guess it's interchangeable. But this is often the case with a lot of the, the treasure hunting that goes on. It, it usually is in a, a place of yeah terrible visibility. We, we have got some friends that are down diving the Cooper River all the time, looking for those shark's teeth and just diving in black water. And if you do have any visibility in a lot of those places, it's gone pretty quick because you're just digging up, mucking up the bottom in, in a lot of those places. Yeah, it's not uh, sightseeing kind of diving and and that's why people go look there is because if you could could see for miles people would just grab grab the stuff right away it's a different type of a person that's down mucking the bottom looking for treasure sure it's a different kind of a diver sure it's like you see the guy you know he's got the little antique shop right little the flea market guy it's a different kind of person, that guy. Flea from, market uh, or antique the, shop? They're two different things. They're both. They're still both. Both of them are two different kinds of people. <laughs> True. Well, they have an appreciation for uh, the past, Junk. The, the past, and the materials that made up the past that influenced the lives of uh, the people that brought you to where you are. It's a bicycle frame. <laughs> there's not even a chain on. There's no tires. But there's a story rim. behind it. They, a, there's a story, and, and there's people behind it, and it's in its history. And if we uh, we don't we don't look at our history, we're look at us now. I mean, we're repeating all the shit that we've done in the past because nobody nobody looks at history. It's an oil painting of a dog. Even better, the, if it, the tail, the tail, the tail, dude, is, you is know you would be, you would kill to find an oil painting of a dog's playing poker underwater. You would be, I've got that. In the months before this day, Ed and I had brought up dozens of rods and reels, anchors, lanterns, and tackle boxes from the bottom of the murky lake. All the previous diving had been done under shallow bridges and less congested areas of the lake. Today, however, we were diving under Little River Bridge, one of the most heavily traveled areas of the lake. Hardly a minute went by that a boat wasn't passing under the bridge. We decided we would anchor our boat under one end of the 200-foot-long bridge. As the day passed, we made many dives, bringing up at least 10 rods and reels and 15 anchors. Sometimes lifting two anchors at a time with our BCs from this 60-foot waters. That's how he used to do it. There's a whole lot it's, not, it's not recommended by the books. but The rods and reels were no heavier than a spear gun, but the anchors were another matter. Some of them weighed 12 pounds. We should have recovered them with a lip Twelve pounds? I thought if this we... was going to be a story about a real anchor. Twelve pound anchor. Are you... Some of them were 12 pounds. <laughs> well, he says that like, those were the, the heaviest ones they lift. Some of them, he didn't say some of them weighed a pound and, and one or two weighed. 
he just I'm I thought we were talking like an anchor like you're gonna need a couple thousand pound bags to lift this baby I thought it was like a freighter anchor kind of thing I thought we were talking a ship's anchor you're talking a, no. a boat anchor like a a fishing boat anchor yeah like those little Danforth anchors <laughs> Now, come on. Even even I draw the line at at that. Usually, I mean, I'm at the point these days like I'll just swim past and the anchors oh, we find oh, all the go, time. Go ahead. I you am can judging. Say it. I I'm know judging. the word you want to say. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's not a treasure anymore, is it? It's no, just a little it's, junky little anchor. No, because they're a dime a dozen kind of thing, and there's no story behind other than. You know, they let the rope rot. Oh, you or are. They had oh, there's a story. It. There's a goddamn story behind that anchor, I'll tell you. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, I got I to gotta hear these stories. It's in Georgia. Started. <laughs> Billy Bob and. <laughs> started with a case of yingling. Mm. They don't have yingling down there. They, they And a bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> Yingling's Pittsburgh, isn't it? Pennsylvania. But I, I, I guess, you know, for the. The divers out there, it it's pretty easy to see something on the bottom. You, it's heavy, and you go, "Oh, yeah." Wrap my wrap my arm around it. Yeah, just inflate my BCD. And just, and dry suit. Inflate my BCD. Yeah. And start swimming up to the surface with it. Why not? Right, that'll gain me the buoyancy that I need to get it up there. Why not? It sounds like a sound idea. <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst that could happen? As long as I don't need to use my arm. That's holding on to this. Better yet, I'll just I'll, I'll carabiner it off on my one of my ADD rings on my cool sixty five pound well, it jacket. Well, keeps your BCD. arms free. It keeps your arms free in case you know you have an emergency. Exactly. So, exactly. So it it does add a lot of lot of issues, right? Of of it's in the way. Yeah. You can't get away from it, or if you are trying to hold on to it and you lose it, sheesh. I mean, and, and now you just lost. The negative buoyancy in comparison to that positive buoyancy, you could have a really quick ascent. Yeah, and then you know, just trying to swim it up. I mean, twelve pounds isn't no unswimmable up. No, but you're going to do a lot of yeah, tw- a lot of work. I was going to say twelve pounds isn't real. I don't. Is that all? That twelve pounds is not that big of a deal to lift up with your BCD and. But I mean, uh, if you're bit. not if you're not using it, if you're just trying to swim it, swim it, it mean, yeah, you can do it. But it's it's yeah. some work. You're going to be huffing and puffing by the time you get to the surface. Right, right, yeah. If you try to just uh, bring up twelve pounds from the bottom, you can do it. And then you can remember you keep in mind, swimming swimming up. You know the ten pound weights from the the pool for yeah like dive master and stuff. Even uh, we we used to have to do that in the, our swimming section of the commercial school, but yes. The, Tread water with five pound weights in your hands and all that stuff. Yeah, it's doable, but it, you're working. You're working. You're working. And working underwater, we know, can lend to bad things. Working even on the surface can lead to some pretty bad things. Yeah, over breathing and CO two build yeah. up, and and then not to mention these guys are doing multiple dives in black water that they can't see anything, including their gauges. Can't see their gauges. They're in a heavily trafficked. Uh, area, so there's, it's dangerous to just pop up anywhere. To say the least, we were excited about our booty and the attention we were getting <laughs> from curious passers. Who's not excited about their, not that excited about my booty, but <laughs> are the pirates' booty, my Surrender ye booty. 
everything was going very well, even though we were working strictly by the sense of feel in the darkness. The problem, however, was the ascent. Going down was simple. We would let our hands slide down the side of the bridge pylons. But once on the bottom, if we ever got away from the pylons, it was difficult to tell if we were actually coming up once we kicked off the bottom. We had to rely on pressure changes and instinct since we could not see our depth gauges. This is a, a lot of like you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. They, it, it, ignorance is bliss. Bl- bliss. <laughs> right. <It's>, uh, <laughs> hey, nothing's happened yet. You, you come up, <laughs> you'll, feel your, you'll feel your ears kind of pop. That lets you know you're, you're getting shallower. If you feel them squeezing, you know you're sinking back down. Well, how hard is it? What could go wrong? And, and again, it's like uh, the fact that you can't envision the number of things that could happen. Just, I, I think that speaks to a lack of experience. You know, ignorance. You, 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 you're not aware of all the hazards that are are within this little endeavor right here. So, we were on our last tank each. I had about fifteen hundred psi, and Ed about twelve hundred. Since our dives were only lasting about five or ten minutes before we had our hands full, we decided we could make one more dive and still have well over five hundred psi of air left even if we stayed longer than we anticipated. <laughs> so there's no plan for uh, sharing gas if somebody has an issue at all. Don't, yes. <laughs> don't, don't run. Don't have an issue, number one. Don't have any issues. Don't run out of gas. Don't get lost. That's the plan. Well, Again. Pay attention to the pylon as you slide down. Look to the surface when it starts getting lighter colored of a brown black. You know you're getting closer to the surface. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get all that. I'm just, uh, my commenting is more aimed at, okay, the stuff that could go wrong. What are we going to, what are we going to do? We can't pop. We just can't pop right up anywhere in this chipping channel. That'd be I've got a, a an octopus <laughs> between my legs, like full of full of this mud and muck and marl. Just that, reach that between. octopus between your legs thing. That line doesn't Ed, sound very good. Ed, at how all. many times have we talked about this? You just reached out here between my legs somewhere. It's it's usually pinched between my ass crack and the bottom of my tank back there. Just grab it, start sucking. It's in the triangle. It's in the triangles. Well, this might be. This it's might a be the trapezoid the sucking, which is what triangle are you talking of? <laughs> it's in the pervert triangle. The uh, anyway, you, there's a lot of things, and and people who do dive and you know, for example, cave diving, you have to take into consideration what happens if you lose light, because if you lose your lights, you've lost all visibility. It's it's a vacuum of light in there. Wait, are you saying we should start the dive assuming, assuming yeah, that things might go wrong might, and might have a plan us. for them before we even begin? And then we might not have to use some of that? Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm saying is if if you have a plan, and again, this, this goes to experience maybe. But if everything works out with our lack of plan, we might still have 500 PSI left. <laughs> and we might do this again. <laughs> because if we see because something cool, happens. We might be able to sneak one more quick <laughs> exactly. one. Exactly. 
And we'll keep doing this kind of dive plan until until something does go wrong. Well, we quickly descended to 60 feet. As we touched the bottom, I grabbed Ed's BC as we had been doing all day and started our search by feel. After about five minutes, I had found the largest anchor of the day. A 15-pounder at least. I grunted up through my regulator mouthpiece, and Ed acknowledged, Okay. <laughs> wow. As we, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know how the, yeah. you know, it's, I'm not it's called, it's called underwater communication. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Don't you, did you ever yeah. teach that? Well, what kind tell of... me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Watch. Uh, watch this, uh, <laughs> this. Tell me what this, this signal is. I, that was perfectly, uh, <laughs> perfectly, uh, what's the word? S- uh, sensible. I got that. What is that? At 1500, we go up? Or to, <laughs> to, <laughs> something to that effect? No, I found a 15 pounder. Oh, a 15 pounder. Pay it, look, Come on. You're not in the right mindset for this. I, time. Get, yes. Start thinking. Listen, listen. I never studied. <laughs> See? Okay. Now it's right. see no. it's communication underwater is probably easy more easily discerned. Yes, listen, it'll be cl- it'll be easier to hear underwater. Sound travels faster to hit both your ears at the same time. Be perfect. <laughs> As we swam back to the pylon, I could feel something dragging behind my anchor. I paid little attention to this because I had brought up many anchors with a lot of rope still attached. Yeah. I'm the anchor man, Will Ferrell. <laughs> no. That escalated quickly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the anchor was heavy to ascend with, so I inflated my BC until my hand started sliding up the side of the pylon. Ed had started up ahead of me, and everything was going as usual. I expected my head to break the surface at any second. When I was stopped, dead still, with a violent jerk, I could feel a very tight rope wrapped around my thigh and ankle. And instinctively, I turned in the direction I thought would free me, but it didn't. I had reached down to get a better feel of the situation when the first step of those stressful situations we divers read about happened. Instead of the single rope I had felt through my wetsuit, there was a mass of ropes all tangled around my right leg. By turning, I had only made matters worse. And about this time, I lost contact with the pylon. And those ropes led to a boat that was taken off. (laughs) I just grabbed somebody's anchor. I just grabbed somebody's anchor. No wonder divers are getting a bad reputation. Uh, Still calm. I thought I could just cut the rope with my knife. I quickly cut the rope, but I was still caught. Since I couldn't see anything, it took a couple of minutes to realize that many pieces of rope had apparently drifted together in the current and tangled on my anchor rope. I'm going to have to cut the leg off. That's all there is to it. I'm going to chew it off like a wolf. That's my only choice. Ed. Ed, you're gonna have to you have to bite my leg. Ed, off. you got need a whiskey like they use in the in the movies. 
Okay, take it off, Doc. I'm going to just bite onto this knife handle. <laughs> You're going to have to take your knife, take it off at the joint, Eddie. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's the only way, the only way I'm going to live. As I ascended, I had raised the hand with the anchor in it and pulled the massive tangle of ropes around my leg. There wasn't just one rope holding me, but many, and all of them were leading off out of my reach to the bottom. Now, things were getting serious, and stress was building. I started cutting rope after rope, but it seemed for every rope I cut, I found two more. After several minutes of cutting, I decided things were going much too slowly. I would be out of air by the time I located and cut all of the ropes. I held the anchor in my hand and cut the rope at the eyelet, dropping the anchor immediately. He still had the anchor this whole goddamn time. <laughs> I'm not dropping the goddamn anchor. Holy. <laughs> okay. I, as if this you, anchor's you, worth like seven dollars at a garage sale. Does it even like go through the mind? Like I can come back here and get the dropped anchor if I, if if I make it through the dive. If I'm, I mean, to me, it's it's pretty. Forgive the pun, cut and dried. It's like okay. Let's get rid of this anchor. It's uh, it's causing an issue. Well, this is an issue. And uh, we don't know, have a lot of gas. A lot of divers have, you know, uh, you know, one of those prioritizing factors yeah. that we look at of, of target fixation and, and losing sight of the yeah. the fact that you're a human being underwater <laughs> with right. a limited amount of gas, and no matter how cool that anchor is, there's a couple things that need to proceed uh, your <laughs> thought pattern of uh, getting the anchor to the surface. Yeah. Yeah, well, my thing all, almost always is, especially 60 feet of water or 80, whatever. Drop the anchor, and it's just a God-blessed anchor. Immediately, I felt myself rise and saw a change in the water. It had gone from completely dark to very dark red, which meant <laughs> I was now only a few... <laughs> Oh, really? Ed, you're too quick, too quick on the on the on the, draw. On the cutting the leg. I was off. just joking. Ed. <laughs> I was joking about cutting my leg off, Ed. No, now the very dark red water meant I was now only a few feet from the surface, but I was still caught on a rope. The strong current and heavy anchor had held me at an angle instead of vertical. Without the anchor, I was straight up and down again, only a couple of feet from the surface. On top of everything else, I was now in danger of being hit by a boat propeller. Or a boat. So, yeah, so, he, so he corks to the surface. Yeah. But he's, he's drifting. He's stuck. <laughs> like three. Oh, yeah, two, a few feet. Two, two, like just like two, three feet from the surface. Yeah. Uh, and his gas, gas. tied up, yeah. trapped, running out of air. This dive plan went south kind of kind of quickly with just one mishap. Well, when your dive plan is, let's don't have any mishaps today and we'll be one, fine. One is all it takes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have no backup plan. The backup plan is... Don't have a let's mishap. Let's not do anything <laughs> that would cause us to need a backup yes. plan. Our backup plan is no mistakes. <laughs> Unknown to me, Ed had found two anchors 
and used almost all of his air struggling to get them up. Fucking Ed. Neither one it's of us It's always a goddamn knew. contest with Ed. It is. I get a nice 15. Oh, I got I, two. I, I finally find the big catch of the day, and you're going to haul up two, you son, son of, of a bitch. bitch. Neither of us knew that whatever I was caught on was heavy enough to keep me from the surface. But my struggle had dislodged it from the bottom, and the current was pushing me away from the bridge. It's another egg, wasn't it? <laughs> Ed, after swimming around the pylon and not seeing any bubbles, was now running around the sides of the boat in near panic. <laughs> At least he's got his two anchors. So this will always remind me of you, old my old Ken, my old buddy <laughs> old Ken. Ken. I'm naming this anchor Ken. I'm gonna put it right on my bar, <laughs> next next to my bottle of old Granddad whiskey. And your leg, your leg that I happen to have with me still. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had inflated my BC to the max, trying to get the ropes to slip just a few more feet, but no luck. I was convinced my air was almost gone. Now. Thoughts of drowning and my body being forever suspended three feet under the surface filled my head. My breathing was heavy and stress was building to the extreme level. And then, something my instructor had told me years ago. Always. That always stuck with me. Always. Popped into, <laughs> popped into my head. Uh, he said. Never. It's something I'll never forget either. Never. No way. Always, always carry a litter bag in your car when you drive. Yes. Always carry a lift bag. Lift bag, lift bag. That's it. I'll never forget it. That old instructor of mine, what's his name? He said, no matter how bad the situation always is. Always breathe. Always breathe. There's always time. Always to a Led Zeppelin. Led react. Zeppelin. Uh, yeah. No matter no, ma- no matter how bad the situation is, Brando, you can stop, breathe, mm. think, and act. Or stop, it's think, breathe. A, a, yeah, stop, breathe, think. Get control of your breathing. Yeah, and if you can get control of your breathing, you, as long as you still got air, air left in that bottle, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to breathe, you'll be able to get control of your mind. If you can physically get your breathing to the point where you're not just huffing and puffing gas, you're you're Breathing on command, inhaling when you tell yourself, now it's right. okay to inhale. Exhaling when you say, okay, now it's okay mm-hmm. to exhale. Calm yourself Calm down. down. You'll be able to think through the situation much clearer than just fighting and struggling and panicking to, to try to muscle yourself through in just a Hail Mary attempt of hoping something happens positively for you. And you can think, like, when I, if I make it out of here, I'm going to buy a spare air. Because <laughs> that's why that's do what I I've only... learned from this. That's what I've learned from this. Get a spare right. air. <laughs> I've learned why do I only have four knives? Exactly. I'm gonna get a bigger knife and a spare air, and that should take care of this ever being a problem in future dives. Right, because uh, if we look back. On uh, the history of the Great Dive podcast, we we do we do have old remember old Hootslaw. Hootslaw uh-huh. said, no matter how bad the situation is, you can always you can always make worse. it worse. Exactly, <laughs> old Hootslaw. Ken says, I stopped struggling. 
took a couple of deep breaths, and after a few seconds, the answer seemed clear. There could only be a couple of ropes actually holding me. Although I thought I was almost out of air, I felt that if I could just get free, I could free ascend from 60 feet. I dumped the air out of my BC and pulled myself hand over hand down the mass of ropes as fast as I could. I suddenly hit bottom and the number of ropes reduced to just two, leading off ahead of me. I quickly drew my knife, cut the ropes, and headed for the surface. I had to wait before surfacing for a boat to pass over. When my head popped out of the water, I was facing the bridge and was shocked to see that I was several hundred feet away. Ed was standing on the bow of the boat, and once he saw me, gestured his displeasure at my nearly giving him a heart attack. (laughs) What was the the gesture? Did he... I'm gesturing my displeasure. I only know one gesture that really does does symbol it's, displeasure. It's yeah. not in the traditional open water manual. No. So it, no, it's but, a it's a it's a skill that comes <laughs> after after you advanced in your search and rescue, you get the signal for displeasure descent <laughs> and near heart attack situation. I'm very displeasured in what you've done. Damn it, Ken. As it turned out, I still had more than 400 pounds of air left. And what I thought was at least 30 minutes of being caught was only about 10. Well, I was going to say, this all sounds like, in his mind, it was a lot longer than it than it actually was. And I never heard you say, yeah, I reached down to my gauge and checked my gas. Ever. I just, I right. heard... I think I might be getting low on gas. Well, take a look. <laughs> I guess this this is a really good example of the the narrowing of focus where something as simple as just check your gauge. Right, right. Your bottom time. I mean, he didn't know how long he was there and he didn't know how much gas he had. Not a clue. He's got, you know, Those a thousand basics. PSI yeah. in a in an aluminum 80s at maybe 20 25 cubic feet of total amount of gas and and he knows he's in i mean like looking at it now you go okay i'm gonna be down in 60 feet working my ass off you know chugging what uh three cubic feet of gas a minute yeah so i'm gonna have you know seven minutes of bottom time if i suck the bottle completely empty down there. yeah yeah Unless you get so, get, even if you were gonna go, I mean, if you're in a place where you know it's black water like that, uh, you, you you can at least somewhat put your head into the right mind space of of awareness of where I'm at gas wise. Well, right. You, you well, a you you have to have the plan before you begin the dive. Otherwise, you're not gonna get it. It's not gonna come to you in the middle of the dive. Like my gas plan. Here it is. Gas plan. <laughs> Shit. I've got it. Here it is. I'm going to swim around till I run out of gas, and then I'm going to come up. No, the, you've got to go into the dive with a with a gas plan. And hopefully, like we've already discussed, these guys had the plan of nothing can go wrong. But Right. The gas plan that's coming to his mind right now is, I should not have gotten in the water for this last dive right. with, this, with this amount of gas as a plan. I mean, it's like people that want to do, like, you know, dives to, you know, 100 feet on an aluminum 80. 80. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can do it. I mean, it's if, not much time down there. And it's like, I mean, you could do a dive on a on a aluminum sixty three to a hundred feet. I mean, you could, but when you consider the amount of gas you need to get home, if you did have to share air, it doesn't leave you with much gas to use. It's like, well, why would you go through all that work to get out somewhere to to do a, a four minute dive? And as we see with this story, if anything goes wrong to delay your ascent. You're in a world of trouble <laughs> right? pretty quickly. Which is why for, for so many years people have used that, that whole little ascent plan of, well, let's not have any problems. Yes, and we'll keep, be on the boat with 500. 500. We're yeah. going to be on the boat with 500, and, and we'll be safe. And I've got my spare air if, if we're not. <laughs> if, it really, if the shit really hits the fan. I've got three extra breaths here. <laughs> I think. Since that I hope. day. I haven't checked it in 10 years. So I just carry it around with me. Have you ever right. seen did, Have you ever seen a spare air that's not free-flowing? <laughs> Let me ask you that question. Have you ever seen anybody who's actually, you know, keeping up with it? Since that day, Ed and I have made up our own special rope patterns for searching the bottom in such conditions. But the treasure we were so fired up over just doesn't seem that alluring anymore. If I ever find another anchor... You can bet the bank that I'll cut the rope from right where it sits. Whoa. I don't know if uh, that's the, uh, I mean, it's not a bad lesson, I guess, but that's not the lessons I would hope you would come away from this dive It's the with. only <laughs> lesson you need to know. No. You find an anchor, you cut, cut the rope there, uh-huh. and then hold on to the anchor and inflate your BCD. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess if uh, you're going to have to learn more lessons the hard way as well, you know. Well, that's where uh, you know taking in something like a search and recovery class would be of benefit because they're going right. to let you know that you should be using a completely separate lift bag. Don't attach it to yourself and try to swim it up like this. How to run search patterns? Yeah, yeah. How to make sure you get back to your entry point and. Plan gas accordingly. If you, that's a kind of dive that you must get back to your entry point. That's that's a must get back. You know, it's almost like an overhead, a, a solid real overhead. To to, to I would all. say it's very yeah. much an overhead. I mean, that is a a highly dangerous position to be just popping up to the surface. Yep. In that water, like I need to make hundred percent sure we get back to that pylon. How do we make sure we're getting back to that pylon? You run a line. That's yeah, the only you way you make sure you run a line. And we need to calculate gas so that we can share gas getting back to that line. And, and we still got the whole ascent that we have to do, too. And we don't want to just come up and and live. We want to come up and be not bent and, and clean. So, yeah, just a... Uh, Having a solid gas plan would have been great. Having a uh, knowledge of uh, procedures and techniques that guarantee you'll get back to your upline, which in this case was a pylon, but it'll get back to your ent- entry point, right? Those are things that really should have been taken into account prior to the dive. And how to, how to bring back those, those treasures sa- safely. I don't know. See, I think... Ken kind of learned a very valuable lesson here, and sometimes those treasures are, in fact, just junk. 
Well, I don't know. See, that's the only part I don't think I really got. Because cool, I think he's finally come to the realization <laughs> that at the end of the day, it's just a rusty old stinky anchor. Yeah, I, I so for the small anchors, yeah. But if that was a real like a giant anchor, you needed some real lift bags with. Oh yeah, yeah. that's now, a treasure. I, I, I see what you're saying yeah. now. I see what you're saying now. That that type of an anchor, yeah, that is like a like a centerpiece in 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 your front yard. Yeah, that, that would be out in the you know in front of a museum. Uh, behind behind my bar, one way or I'd build behind, I'd build my house around this anchor and be right there behind the. It would be the bar. You'd sit on the anchor. <laughs> yeah, now that now that's a piece of treasure. That's treasure that yeah. I I would agree. That that's some treasure yeah. that I would I would love to go see and and, and recover one day. Well, some t- the treasure I'm looking for is yeah. that treasure that's gold. You want gold, gold and shiny. Yeah. Well, I mean, good luck with that. I hope you find it, but it's it's not as common as one might think underwater. I mean, you're more apt to to find a porthole or something to the, I mean, even that porthole can be uh just as heavy as an anchor if not more so you know one of those little 12 pound 15 pound mushrooms well, yeah it. some of those uh portholes are I mean, that's a heavy ass chunk of brass yes. that's not not a lightweight little thing so yeah you still gotta you've gotta have techniques and equipment and um practice at bringing that stuff back up right getting uh getting your scuba certification is probably uh, a great way to introduce you to the things that you can do underwater. It's probably not the last class you need to take <laughs> or or the, the last thing you need to learn when it comes to working and doing things under the surface of the water. Yeah, you've basically got your license to learn. That's all you've got. You, you, you shouldn't be doing anything more than following a, an instructor or dive master for the most part in nice clear waters until you gain a lot more experience but but we don't know i mean uh how, they've been doing that for 5 years yeah, is what yeah, they said yeah. so they had a little bit no, of a diving experience i mean, I mean experience. for the yeah. general for yeah, the general, general population for the general yeah, diver yeah. out there yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what we're talking yeah, about yeah get your classes get get some experience learn about diving before you just undertake any old task underwater everything's different underwater i don't know if you, if you You've realized this. Everything's different underwater. Even even shaving is different underwater, isn't it? Yes, Brando. Shaving is very different underwater. <laughs> and today, we're here with a sponsor for your little treasure that you may find. Your little bouncing bundle of joy, maybe. No, no, no. Wait I see minute. what you're saying. No, no. I, I'm not talking about a baby. I'm talking about your baby makers, Brando. <laughs> That's right. Today's show is brought to you, people, by Manscaped. But just like babies, your delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. And that's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at Manscaped.com. Don't forget to use our code TGDP for 20% off, plus your free shipping. Can't be that. 20% off, free shipping. What are they going to do next? Come and shave you for you? For you? Come and shave your own body for you? I know your baby makers have always been quite the treasure around. To me, they are. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
I know you're putting on the old crop preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant every morning, Brando. <laughs> That's why you're a true dive buddy. I am a true dive buddy. <laughs> I don't know if that's the reason why, but that's a reason. I know that your crop is always revived. <laughs> How do you <laughs> that, know uh, you, Those anti-chafing boxers from Manscaped that you have, you're always ready to slip into some undergarments, put on a dry suit, and go. All right, everybody, get 20% off of free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code TGDP. Use the platinum package because the gold standard is no longer good enough for uh, your little uh, baby makers. Damn it. Well, Brando, should we sign off on uh, this week's episode? Yeah, I think uh, I think we should sign off. It's This dive is, has been completed. It was a short little dive. But uh, we finally surfaced. We're no longer anchored to the bottom like good old Ken Hester, who wrote this story back in uh, Skin Diver magazine, 1988. Brando, let me sign your logbook. Sign. Sign away. Thanks for taking me treasure hunting. I got lots of junk. (laughs) Junk. (laughs) You call that junk? Give me that junk. You call that? I'll show you junk treasures my friend treasures so dear stumpy jamesy don't don't ever make me have to cut your leg off like this clown i don't know i don't know uh i don't know if i can do it all right everybody we'll talk to you next week and uh damn skippy we'll talk to you next week damn skippy there's jamesy Blue, blue, blue.